Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. He has a specific assignment sent by God in this earth to, to do something in relationship to our life as well as to others. So let's learn about it tonight. Let's learn what is of Him and what's not of Him. Amen? I said amen. amen. Number one, in this class tonight, you're going to learn that the Holy Spirit is here on commission to help us. Part of His primary commission is to help me and you. Number two, Jesus promised us this. He promised that he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And clearly, obviously, the moment you get born again, he is with you. He is living inside you. Number three, the Holy Spirit isn't here just hanging around. He has a distinct ministry. Underline that. He has a distinct ministry and a precise purpose on the earth. You should underline that. He's not just hanging around doing nothing. He is here to be a helper to us and has therefore a distinct ministry and purpose on the earth. Number four, critical for me and you as a believer. We must learn to never quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. We must learn to never quench nor grieve uh, the Holy Spirit. Well, what about the third one, Pastor, resisting? Let me help you. If you quench or grieve him, resisting is going to be an automatic. If you don't quench or grieve him, you'll never resist him. You never will. You, you begin, sadly, for believers who uh, obviously get through this in their life in the position of resisting, they start with quenching. Because the Holy Spirit obviously can be quenched. It's in essence like a fire. He's re re revealed like a fire. And you kind of start throwing water on him. Holy Spirit's dealing with you about stuff. You don't want to hear it. So I kind of throwing some water. You're trying to quench him. You keep doing that. You put that fire out. And after a while, you get to the place now where you grieve him. And here's why. You put, not like he's gone or not living in you anymore. You're just to the degree you're not listening to him to the point that now he's grieved. Meaning what? Well, it's like you. If a loved one leaves uh, this planet, goes to be with the Lord, you still have a form of a part of a grieving in you for that person. Why? You can't contact him anymore. Can't reach him anymore. You keep quenching the Spirit, you'll eventually grieve the Holy Spirit. He can't contact you anymore. You're not aware of him. Obviously trying to contact you anymore. And that leads now to full resistance. That you'll resist anything the Spirit of God tries to direct you to do because you've already quenched Him and you've already grieved Him. I have a, I have a challenge for you. Don't quench Him. Right. Don't dishonor Him in your life in context to what Scripture reveals of things we don't want to do to do that. Amen? Amen. So tonight, under number four there, we're going to show you 11 things. 11 things that describe the ministry of of the Holy Spirit. Eleven things. John 14, 25. John 14, 25. These things Jesus said, I have spoken to you while being present with you. His immediate disciples at the time. 26. But the helper. Yes. Say the helper, the helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Underline these things, please. He will teach you all things. He will teach you what? All things. 
And, number two, he's going to bring to your remembrance, second thing to underline, he's going to bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. He doesn't bring all things to your remembrance. He brings all things that Jesus said to us. That means we've had to heard what Jesus has said. What if I'm not in church to hear what Jesus has said? The Holy Spirit can't bring that back to your remembrance. He can't help you remember something you didn't hear. He's helping you remember something that you actually heard. Amen. 27, peace I leave with you. Hasn't left his context yet. Tell us talking about the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So it's not an ecumenical peace. It's not an outward peace. Because it's going to be by the Holy Spirit who comes and lives within you. Notice this. Let not your heart. Notice what he's referring to. Your inner man. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So let's go through your notes here. Number one, first and foremost thing that he's revealed or described as of a ministry to us. He is what? What is he? Tell me out loud, please. So as simple as this is, it's powerful in its its understanding. I, I would doubt that very few Christians who have ever heard the Bible taught much about the Holy Spirit would not obviously acknowledge that he has been sent as a helper. But I'm going to show you something significant about that in a minute. Look at your notes. This is a powerful statement. If you don't know, of course, this is based off of Dr. Barclay's teaching. And Dr. Barclay's pastor for 27 years was John Osteen, not Joel. We're not comparing John to Joel here, not knocking Joel, but they're just not the same. So this was a quote by John Osteen. John Osteen used to say, this is powerful. You need to get it. The Holy Spirit is the helper. You're the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. You are what? The doer. If you, don't know the, if you don't do the doing, He won't have anything to help you with. If you don't do the doing, He won't have anything to help you with. Help me out. Help me preach, Joshua. Joshua, uh, I need you to help me to get that basket right there and pick it up and bring it up here. All right? So in essence, me saying that to Joshua in truth, guess what? He's really not helping me with it because I did nothing to go get it. We could think by saying this, he's helping me. No, he's doing something I asked him to do. That's not helping me in the sense like he's working together with me to help me to do it. He just did it. Go sit it on that chair over there. All right, so let's say I obviously need help with this. Okay, wait, I'm not done. All right, Joshua, come here. Help me take this basket up here to the stage. There you go. Isn't that dude heavy? Yes, sir. Man. You're strong. All right, set it down. There you go. See, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit isn't to do things for you. The job of the Holy Spirit is a helper to come alongside you. The word helper, the, the, the Greek word here is paraclete, means to come alongside so you got to understand this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't do things for you. You listening? You're to do what you're supposed to do as a believer in this earth. And the Holy Spirit's there to help you get it done. Can I get a better amen? amen? Now, would you put that up for me, praise God? So, in essence, me saying, would you help me by bringing that up here, is not really, in the Bible term, helping me. That's not the Bible term for the Holy Spirit. The Bible term for the Holy Spirit is He comes alongside you and He helps you do things. If I'm not doing my part of the doing, He can't do the helping. Right? Right. If I lay hands on the sick, why will they recover? Because I'm doing my part to do the doing, laying hands on the sick. Who will be the helper that will do the work? The Holy Spirit. 
If I do my part to do the doing by sharing the gospel with people, what will the Holy Spirit do? He'll come along and help you, give you words to speak. And if that person is a place of godly sorrow, guess what he'll do? He'll get them born again. So you got to do the doing, he'll do the helping. As simple as that is, that's powerful. Because most people are still calling on God to go do stuff for them, thinking that the Holy Spirit's just going to go off and do it. No, he's not. He's not a doer, he's a helper. I said he's not a doer. He's, there's no place in the Bible relating to being you that says he's a doer. Not even with God. When God created the earth, what was the Holy Spirit? Literally, God created this sphere of water. Where was the Holy Spirit when God created the earth? He's hovering over that ball of water. And the minute God speaks, helper. The minute God speaks, God did the doing. Holy Spirit now has something to light on. And he goes to work and manifests God's words and brings forth this earth. But see, even with God, he doesn't go do it for God. He's a helper with God. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit will not operate or help you in your life if you're not doing the doing. You got to speak the words for him to actually do something to help you with those words. You got to act upon the word of God for the Holy Spirit to do his part to come supernaturally. His work is not natural. His work is supernatural. How many want the supernatural on your life? Well, you got to do the doing. If you don't do the doing, as simple as that is, I'm, I'm laboring on it on, on, on purpose because a lot of people still don't understand the real truth about the basic ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paraclete, called alongside to help. If I'm out working in the day and my body starts getting tired, guess what I can do? Call upon the helper to, to immediately, quote unquote, immediately do what? That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken. Now, Brother Hagin learned this early on. As a young believer, he would go pull, uh, in the Depression days, they would pull peach trees up. Two guys side by side pulled peach trees up. He said, man, after a few days of that, my body was shot. Man, I was wore out. Realize he came off his deathbed. He's skin and bones. And he's out there pulling these peach trees up. But he said, I called upon the Lord because the Lord said he would be my strength. And the minute I actually reached for that first peach tree and it called upon the Lord to be my strength, I literally felt like a blanket come over me. Who was that? Helper. Holy Spirit. And this empowerment would come upon me and I could pull trees all day long in the strength of that power. He's a helper. I said he's a helper. He didn't go pull the peach trees for him. He helped him do it. Don't think the Holy Spirit can't help you in all these aspects of your life because we just don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit enough if we aren't taking advantage of that. God would help him pull peach trees? Yeah, he had to have a job. He needed to make money. And he didn't have the strength physically because of what he had gone through after being healed. When you get healed and you've been obviously on a bed for 18 months, your body isn't instantly transformed and changed into a physical muscle body. You've got, re- you got to rework all those muscles and build all those muscles back up. Amen. Say, I have a helper. I'd like to just spend the rest of the night talking about that because a lot of Christians still don't understand the only primary aspect of seeing the Holy Spirit work in your life, you've got to be a doer. If you do what the Bible says, guess what? Holy Spirit will do His part. Number two, He will also do what? According to verse 25, He'll teach you how many? He'll teach you how many? So I'm a teacher. I'm called by God as a pastor to teach the Word of God. There is no doubt that you know that a pastor has to have a teaching gift. 
If a pastor doesn't have a teaching gift, he really isn't called to be a pastor because he's got to be able to teach you the Word of God. Clearly, this is stated in Jeremiah 3.15. What's the primary role of the pastor? To feed you with knowledge and understanding. That takes teaching. So you have to have a teaching gift on your life to be a shepherd. So I have a gift to teach the Word of God. But as I teach the Word of God, what you literally receive of that in your heart, in your spirit, man, that teaches you what God wants you to know, ain't me. That's the Holy Spirit taking what He spoke through me and igniting it in your heart. He's the true teacher that teaches you what? All things. 2A, if you walk with Him, He will even teach you about the things of this life. He'll give you answers you didn't know you had. He'll give you answers you didn't realize you already have. How do you mean I have? They're in your spirit. God already has them available to you. I mean, there's stuff He knows that you don't know, man, that He can reveal to you in a heartbeat. I like the guy that actually wound up putting satellites in space. He was working with, uh, uh, you know, all this crew of uh, people to try to figure out how to get satellites in space. They knew it was possible. They just couldn't seem to get it done. And so he, he said, you know what? He said, God has the answer to this. I'm going to go pray. He went and said, don't even call me till I come back. Don't even try to reach out to me. He goes home. He fasted, prays for three days. And the Holy Spirit said to him, this is what you do. Holy Spirit revealed it. Through his spirit, man. He'll teach you all things. He gave them the mathematical whatever they needed solution to make it work. And he comes back and he said, I got it figured out. I know exactly what to do. And he said part of it had to do with the Holy Spirit revealing to him about the actual actual loss of a 24-hour period in the the earth. Back in the Old Testament. Remember that? Had part of the do with the timing of getting these satellites in space. And he went back to that. And the Holy Spirit showed him that. He said, I got the answer. I got the formula. And guess what? That man became a rich man. Yes. You know why? Because he came up with the result of the answer of how to get satellites in space. Why well, you got them today. A Christian man did that. I said, a Christian man did that. He didn't come up with that in his brain. Holy Spirit taught him that. To be, he will help you make right decisions that otherwise would be wrong and hurt your life. And I'm going to show you how he'll help you do that. To see, he will even help you in your marriage and in raising your children. How many parents would say amen to that? He helped me in mine because I guarantee you when things got difficult in my marriage, I told Kathy, I'm not the husband I need to be. I don't know how to be that, but I'm going to find out how. And God helped me to find out how through the word of God and through things I picked up on and learned through materials I found. And I worked on learning how to be a husband, what I had to do to fulfill my role as a husband. Number three, he will also do what? According to verse 25. Verse 25 says he'll not only teach you all things, he'll do what? He'll bring things to your remembrance. 3a, he'll remind you of all of the scriptures you've studied. When you need them, if you studied the word, he'll remind you of those scriptures when you need them. 3b, he'll remind you of all the things that Jesus has taught you. 3c, he'll remind you of the lessons that you've learned as you walk with Jesus in this life. Well, he hasn't done any of that for me. That's because you haven't learned how to listen and, and follow that inward knowing, that inward understanding of how he does this. Well, look at verse tw- uh, 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. Again, talking about the Holy Spirit. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Number four, he'll also do what? He'll lead you by this inward witness. Yeah. Amen. By what Romans chapter 8 calls the inward witness. His spirit will bear witness with our spirit. That's the inward witness. The primary way God leads you 
is not an outward voice. You're turning the page. I'm not done with it yet. We had not done 4A yet. The primary way God leads you is not through an outward voice. Primary way God leads you is through the inward spirit. That's not only proven from the Bible, but even in one of the visitations of the eight visitations Brother Hagin had with the Lord, he said, I'm going to show you how I've led my children all these many years through the inward witness, and I'm going to lead you the same way. This was his eighth time he'd seen him. He said, this is the last time you're going to see me like this. I'm not going to come and speak to you like this anymore. I'm here to tell you that small church that wants you to come, you're to go to that church. Because he actually wasn't. He was going to go to another church at that time. But every time he would write the letter to tell that pastor he was coming, something bothered him. He watered up and threw it in the basket. And so the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm telling you, I want you to go to that church. Now, he went to that little church. And guess what? That church was primarily nothing but women. But when he went and did those meetings, eight men that had not normally been coming to church, married to those ladies, came. All eight men got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And they got all the rest of their families into church. Totally turn that church around. Amen. Totally turn that church around. Amen. So you got to understand how this inward witness works. For A, you will have a peace. Interesting how many are already going ahead. We didn't even turn that. You're already jumping ahead, man. For A, watch this. You will have a peace, a knowing within when you are headed the right direction with God. You might not want to turn your page yet. I'm going to give you a reference, okay? So notice again, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Notice he goes on to says, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. What are we looking for? The peace. I want you to see this. Hold your place here. Go over to the book of Acts, if you would. Real quick, go over to the book of Acts. I've shown you this before, but this is how you follow the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Go over to Acts 16. Acts chapter 16. I want you to see this. This is actually Paul and Silas obeying God to go preach the gospel. And obviously knowing now we're supposed to go preach the gospel, I got to start getting on the move. Say, I got to do the doing and the Holy Spirit will do the helping. So you don't sit back and just sit here and wait forever. When God said, go preach the gospel, you don't just sit here and say, okay, God, uh, when you show me where I'm supposed to go. No, he told you go preach the gospel. How are you going to find out where you're supposed to go? Start going and preaching the gospel. That's what Paul did. Watch this. Acts 16.6. You still with me? Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, underline this, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Forbidden. Forbidden. What do you mean forbidden? There's, I'm going to go back and show you in a minute, was that agitation. That was that troubled spirit. Let not your heart be troubled. The word troubled there means agitated on the inside. Not a peace, an agitation. Notice this. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit didn't manifest and stop them so you can't go there. They were following that inward witness just like the Bible says. So within Paul's spirit, he now knows, this is kind of interesting as well, I kind of explain it. It's like, okay, we're supposed to leave here and continue to preach the gospel. Where do we go next? Well, let's see. Let's start. Now, they, don't, they, they didn't do this. Say they didn't do this. I'm just, so it's kind of almost like they go through our alphabet. Let's start with the A's. What's closest to us that has an A on it? Asia. So let's go there. So they're on the way. Say they're on the way. So they're on the way to do what? Obey God. Go preach the gospel. Say as they went. So as they're going to Asia, what happens? The Holy Spirit constrains them. Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So guess what they do? They stop. They stop. They camp. 
Notice this, verse 7, and after they had come to Mysia, then they tried to do what? They tried to go to, let's go to the bees, Bithynia. Underline it, but the Spirit again did not what? Did not permit them. So here they got this inward witness. This ain't right. So they get up the next day after they've now have, uh, camped out there and come to Mysia where they stop because we know we're not supposed to go on into Asia. So they stop at Mysia. They get up the next day. They start to Bithynia. What happened? Same thing. Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, don't go. Now at this point, you probably think all the entourage, the people that are helping them, quite a few people that are with Paul and stuff, carrying all the stuff that needed to go with them because you couldn't find a Hotel 6. You know, motel said you couldn't find a holiday in or whatever. Had to have tents and all that. So they're probably thinking, man, this guy's crazy. He didn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Sure wish he could hear from God. He's hearing God perfect. He's hearing God perfect. He's going to Asia. Holy Spirit says, "Uh uh-uh. Inward witness, not like a word spoken. He just knows he's got an agitation. Guess what he's hearing? Guess what he's hearing? Guess who he's being led by? Holy Spirit. He's going and doing what he was told to say. You got to go do the doing. See, most people are waiting for a direction like a word to come to them. You need to start stepping out and obeying God what he told you to do. And if you're going the wrong direction, guess what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll constrain you. There'll be an agitation to your spirit. Guess Guess what you're doing? You're being led perfectly by the Holy Spirit, just like Paul was. Paul knew Asia ain't it. So they stopped in Mysia on the way to Asia. Stopped there. Got it the next day. Let's go to Bithynia, boys. So they start heading that way. Same thing happens. What's Paul doing? He is hearing the Holy Spirit perfectly. Amen. Perfectly. So they stop on the way to Bithynia. Nope, that's not it. Uh, so here in verse 8, they go on uh, by Mysia. They came to Troas uh, because obviously they're not going to go to Bithynia. And in that, that night time, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia. He stood and he pleaded with him. Saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He saw this in a vision. Do we know for sure it's God? No. Just because it's a vision, is it of God? No. Some of you probably ate pizza last night and had a weird vision. And you could say, well, it must be God. That don't mean it's God. Well, I had a dream. That don't mean it's God. Are you listening? Let me help you. Well, it was in technicolor. There ain't no verse for that. There ain't no verse because it was in technicolor. It was from God. These are all made up things that people tell you that is not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. This didn't even tell us if the vision was in color or not. Right. Black and white or not. Just said he had a vision. Right. Right. So how does he know for sure it's of God? How does he know? Whoa, how does he know here? How does he know this is right from God? Excuse me, Caleb. So we're going to go that direction, right? We're going to find out if this is from God or not. So does he actually know this is from God or not? Not yet he don't. I said not yet he don't. You listening? He just had a vision. Now notice verse 10. It shows you this. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding. So he didn't know for sure yet. Concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. So as they continue to go that direction, guess what he never got? He never got the agitation in his spirit. Matter of fact, the more they got closer to Macedonia, guess what kept rising in his spirit? A knowing, a peace. You listening to me? See, everybody adds to this what it does not say. It does not say Paul knew the vision was from God. Didn't say that. Said he had a vision in the night. So how do you check that vision? Well, let's find out if this is God or not, because I don't know what other direction to go at this point. So let's head out to Macedonia. And you know what? On the way, we're going to find out if this really was of God or not. 
You know how we're going to know? Because I've already found out twice that we've missed God. And if I'm going the wrong direction again, the Holy Spirit revealed to me. He'll constrain. I'll get this agitation again. And then I'll know that vision wasn't from God. You're listening to me. We don't, we don't follow the leading of visions, folks. There's no verse for that. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You listening? So that's how he knew to hear God. Now go back to John 14 and I'll prove it to you. Because this is how it works. John 14. And the Lord taught this to Brother Hagin. The terms he used for this is like a green light or a red light. A green light or a red light. I'll compare it with me and you driving our cars, going down the road. You're wanting to get somewhere. Guess what happens when you see a green light? You're happy. Woo, yeah. Yeah, it feels good inside. Glory to God. And then you see a red light. Oh, you get agitated. No, I don't want to stop. See, that's like God. The green light is a piece inside that you know you're going the right direction. But the red light is an agitation that says, uh-uh, no, 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 you better stop. This is not the direction I have for you to go. This is how you learn to follow this leading of the inward witness. This is how you learn to know, hey, should I buy this home or should I not? You know how we found out? You go, we went once, we, we eh, not for sure in the natural couple of things we're not positive about, we walked away. We got a, a call back, they're offering an incentive to actually increase uh, back to us the amount of money we could get out of the home. I'm not going to go buy it just for that reason. But we started talking about it because we had no other options and said at the time and just said, maybe we ought to go look at it again. So we go look at it again. And the whole time I'm walking through the house, no agitation. Actually, actually the second time, the more I'm there, more peace I'm getting. That's how you learn to follow God. That's how you learn to make decisions. God knows about the plumbing under the, under the foundation, if it's there or in the roof or where. He knows everything about the house. How do you know to buy it? You better not buy it just because you like it, darling. Come on, somebody. You're just going by the natural. If you just, if it's something you like, you're just going by the natural. Right. You still here? Yes. That's three of you. Yes. So back to John 14 again. Peace I leave with you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you look that peace up, it's an inward knowing. It's an inward comfort. You got to be careful with this because it's not in your soul. It's in your spirit. Right. It's rising up out of your inner being, out of your spirit man. Like, we, like the Bible calls it literally, if you want to know, it's like where your guts are. Sorry, but I mean, it's like this inner, it's deep down inside you. Just, man, I feel really, really good about this. I hate to say that because we don't go by feelings, but you know what I'm saying? There's just absolute peace and a knowing in here, right? We walked this through all through the time frame of us with this new building. Before we bought the property, I prayed. Before we bought the property, I went out and walked the property. Before I bought the property, I talked to the owner. Every step I took, I kept checking. Do I have a peace or do I have an agitation? And as long as that peace keeps rising up and getting stronger, I'm going the right way. Right. But I didn't just jump up and say, let's buy it because it's available. Uh-uh. We took it one step at a time, walking through that whole process. Then we had to raise the money. In the midst of raising the money, guess what we're doing? We're getting closer now, right, to walking that out. And if I would have all of a sudden lost my peace, I'd say, we ain't going to buy it. Right. Right. You know how good it felt in my spirit, man, when I signed that paperwork? Yeah. It was a peace. Right. Are you listening? Because the truth is, if you want to know the honest truth, I wanted more property than that. And I kept telling God, you got to commit to me in my spirit that this is what you want us to do. Because I would really like to have more property than that. But you know what we're going to be? We're going to be right smack in the dab of pretty much everything that's going to happen in Ponder, Texas. Because the city owns 130 acres around it. So God knows what he's doing. Say, God knows what he's doing. So again, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. That's what you're looking for. 
That's what you're looking for. Watch this. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not, let not your heart be what troubled, neither let it be what afraid. So if I'm troubled or afraid, guess what that reveals? You better stop, you better back up, and you better find which direction God wants you to go. So let me describe this to you. Peace is this inward knowing. It's an inward uh, calm. And the context of the troubling and or afraid is the exact opposite. I can understand this as a kid in one of these words. But I'll give you the first one. So troubled means what? Agitate. Remember the agitators in the old washers? I mean, some of you may still have one, like the agitator in the center. What's it doing? It's stirring that water up. See, that's troubled. If you're getting stirred up on the inside of your spirit, man, you need to know right there. God's revealing to you. You better stop right here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you going to open your mouth and say now? (laughs) Come on, somebody. See, if you would pay attention to that spirit, you'd open your mouth less when you should, uh, when you shouldn't open your mouth. You, you wouldn't open your mouth, excuse me, as much as you, as you are when you shouldn't. If you just, how many times do you know in your spirit, man, before you ever opened your mouth and blurted it out, you knew in your heart you didn't feel right? Come on, you were all tensed up inside. That wasn't because of what was going on necessarily. That was the Holy Spirit saying, ah, I better shut up here. Do you have a piece about what you're about to say? Well, no, but I want to say it. Well, go ahead then. You're on your own. Don't blame God. Don't blame God for the consequences. You're so into the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Now, the word afraid is actually the word timid. Let me explain that to you. When I was a kid growing up in Montana, I mean, we would love going ice skating in the wintertime. And the first thing we waited for was the first freeze of the year because we had actually down at the end of our block uh, actual... Uh, uh, you know, a canal where water ran through, and that would be the first thing that would freeze up that we go skating on. But you didn't just run out there and jump on it because guess what? You don't know how thick that ice is yet. Right. So with the first first freeze, you go out there and you put your foot out on it and you push on a little bit. You didn't commit fully. Right. See, this is what you need to learn about following God. Right. Don't just commit into something till you know it's till you know it's God. So you put your foot out there, you push down a little bit. And if it feels a little eh, uneasiness, a little t- I don't know if that's strong enough, guess what? That's that same inward feeling. Yeah. Better, better get your foot back off that ice and stand on solid ground for now. Amen. It ain't frozen enough. Are you listening? 4A, again, you're going to have a peace or a knowing within you when you're headed the right direction with God. 4B, on the back of the page, you will have what? An agitation within your heart when you are out of the will of God. Listen for it. It is the primary way that God leads you, and it's one of the key ministries of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, you could go to witness to somebody, and I know the Bible tells us, go into all the world, right? Just like we saw in the book of Acts, them honoring God to go into all the world, preach the gospel. But how many know there's some places God don't want you to go? How many know He already knows the hearts of all men? And He knows if you're going to go somewhere and waste your time with somebody that really doesn't want to know Jesus. Why would He send you to do that? He wouldn't do that. Now, that don't mean everybody you go witness to is instantly going to get born again. Because guess what you're doing while you're witnessing to them? Does anybody know what you're doing? You're planting and watering. God gives the increase. All right, John 15, 26. Next chapter, a little further down. What's another part of the work of the Holy Spirit? So we've looked at four aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the fifth one. 26, when the helper comes, what is he again? Say, I got to do the doing. Yep, when the helper comes, what will they, what will they do? But notice whom I shall send to you from the Father. Listen, the spirit of what again? The spirit of what? Truth. So what's that mean? What's truth? What is truth? God's Word. So what's He always going to be in line with? God's Word. 
He says, this spirit of truth who proceeds from me, underline it, he will testify of me, Jesus said. Now, we'll get into this a little more here in another point. But what does it mean he will testify of me? Okay, I'll share this with you and I'll refer back to it. It means that when the Holy Spirit is actually at work, it will be known that it's him doing the work because who will actually be talked about is Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. You listening? Five. This is how we know whether this is of, uh, something is of God or not. He will testify of Jesus in the work that Jesus did. 5a. You can always tell if a man is functioning under the power of the Spirit or a familiar spirit by whether or not he testifies of Jesus and his work. So I've shared this with you before. I'll give you an example. I actually remember this, hearing this from Brother Hagin's teachings years ago. Years ago, Brother Hagin was actually at a camp meeting of theirs. And he was sitting in the green room back in the back with some ministers before they come out on the platform. And as they're back there talking, somebody happened to turn a TV on because there was a big revival going on in another part of the country. And it was being televised. So they're watching it. And Brother Hagin kind of gets caught up with it. And he starts saying, oh, Lord, that's of you. That's of you. That's of you. Look at that miracle. Look at that miracle. Glory to God. Glory to God. How wonderful. And about 20 minutes later, he started crying and weeping and grieving. And he said, oh, Lord, that's a familiar spirit. They don't even realize it. That minister doesn't even know. That's a familiar spirit. That's not God doing that. That's demons doing that. He's about to mislead these people. See, demons can do miracles. Book of Acts, it was a man, Simon. They thought he was the great power of God. They thought it was God doing it. It wasn't. It was demons doing it. Now, I always wondered after I heard him say that, how did you know the difference? He didn't say. Bugged me for years, man. And thank you for Dr. Barclay coming into our life. I brought it up with Dr. Barclay. I said, do you know anybody that knew what actually happened? He said, I was in the room. Wow. I said, then tell me what in the world did it? What happened that he saw the change? He said at the start, he said the guy was just glorifying Jesus. He kept, as miracles were happening, he had him keep singing about Jesus. And then lo and behold, 20, 30 minutes later, they started exalting the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name disappeared and it was all the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy glorifying the Holy Spirit, magnifying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will get grieved when you do that because he testifies of Jesus. He takes no glory for what he does. You listening? This is Bible, folks. What's part of the work of the Holy Spirit? To testify of Jesus, not of himself. And so when all of a sudden people start exalting the Holy Spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit won't do? He won't continue to work there because he's, very, he's clearly the spirit of truth and he won't violate the word. He won't, God won't let him. So you want to beware of anybody exalting the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with thanking God for the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with praising God for the helper of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with talking to the Holy Spirit as a helper. But in anything he does, guess what? You acknowledge and recognize who gets the glory. Jesus. Jesus gets exalted. Can I get a better amen? So he will do what again? Testify number five of Jesus and the work that he did. John 16, a little further. You're still with me, aren't you? You learn anything tonight? 16, 13. However, when he, again, the spirit of truth has come. He, underline it, will guide you into all truth. This spirit of truth will do what? Guide you into all truth. So what's he going to guide you in? The word of God. So another way the spirit's going to guide you is not just by the inward witness, but also how? Through the word of God. 
He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. There you go. He's not going to speak on his own. He's not going to bring attention to himself. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He is not to initiate anything. He does not initiate anything. He only speaks as he hears what the Lord Jesus or the Father tells him. Notice, and he will do what? Tell you things to come. Now, when the Holy Spirit tells you something to come, based on this verse, we know two things. One, it'll never be out of line with the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never say it. Say the Holy Spirit will never tell me anything contrary to the Word. Well, God told me I don't need to go to church, contrary to the Word. God told me I don't need to forgive, contrary. You didn't hear for that from the Holy Spirit. Well, God told me I don't have to tithe, contrary to the Holy Spirit. See, anything at all that's being said that goes against the truth of God's Word, it didn't come from the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. Anything He reveals ain't on His own. In other words, the reason it says that He does not come up with anything on His own authority, here's why. He don't speak anything contrary to what God has already said in His Word. He don't come up with His own stuff. He only speaks in line with the Word of God. Notice the last part of the verse, and He will tell you what? What will He tell you? What will he tell you? Bottom part of verse 13? Underline it. He'll tell you things to come. Now, where is he getting that information of what's to come? From Jesus or the Father. And it'll always be in line with what? The Word of God. 14. He will also glorify me, Jesus said. So again, see, who's he going to put the light on? Who's he going to put the attention on? Jesus. He's going to glorify me because he's going to take what's mine and he's going to do what? He's going to declare, or in other words, he's going to make that known to you. He's going to reveal what's mine to you. Why? Because you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. You're not an heir of the Holy Spirit and you're not a joint heir with the Holy Spirit. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And Jesus literally owns all things. The Father has placed all things in my hand. So the Holy Spirit's going to take what is of Jesus' and reveal it to you. It's not the Holy Spirit's. It's all Jesus. Could I get a better amen? Watch this. So number six, he will guide you into what? I know it's emphasized a lot in this church, but I sadly have watched many people do it. Well, I know God's directed me. Well, I know I got counsel from somebody. I believe it's of the Lord. This is what they told me to do. Wait a minute. Is it in line with the truth? Because if it is not, that did not come from God. Never did. I said never did. 6a, there is absolutely no good reason, no good reason for a Christian to be deceived or seduced. The only reason they would be is because they either aren't staying in the Word and or submission to leadership who watches out for their soul, book of Hebrews, to help them make sure they stay in line with the truth. 6b, he, the Holy Spirit, will do what? Constantly lead you to read your Bible and go to the Word for answers to the perplexities in your life. When people start saying they're led by the Holy Spirit and they tell me they never read the Bible, I say, you ain't being led by the Holy Spirit. Because if he was leading you all the time, you'd be in the Word. If he's leading you as much as you say he is, you'd be in the Word of God. Number seven, in these same sets of verses, he will also again do what? He will not speak on his own authority. So a seven key to the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he does not speak on his own. He doesn't come up with stuff that's not in the Bible. I love this. Richard Hander, I think pastor said is where he heard it originated from. Richard Hander, great man of God, taught for years at Christ for the Nations. At one time, I actually think he was the, uh, 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 in charge of the school there at Christ for the Nations. I've met him at pastor's church, great guy. He said, if it's new, it ain't true. If it's true, 
It ain't new. Because anything God wants us to have revealed to our life, it ain't, tr- it ain't, uh, it ain't true if you're saying it's new. Well, I know you can't find this in the Bible, but let me tell you what God said. Uh-uh, turn your ear away. If it's new, it ain't true. Because the Holy Spirit's only going to speak in line with what? That Bible. He's the Spirit of truth. How many know God was smart enough to encapsulate in 66 books of the Bible what we needed to know for our life? Can I get a better amen? And I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit doesn't go against the Word of God or speak things that the Bible doesn't reveal. I mean, it's kind of like, thank you, Lord, for, man, I'm so, I'm so pumped about Mario Murillo standing up to some of these false prophets. Well, you shouldn't do that because you're judging people. No, he ain't judging them. He's judging what they're doing, just like the Bible said. We don't judge people. He's not saying, well, they're damned forever. They're going to hell. Now, that would be wrong. But what they're prophesying is totally against the Bible, totally contrary to the word. And what he's, what he's doing, what the Bible said, he who, those who are spiritual can judge all things, what somebody's doing. And I mean, these people, oh, we go back and forth to heaven all the time. There's mountains of jello in heaven. Pretty bad, ain't it? Thank you for that good response. Yeah, oh, mercy for sure. But these people are on major television, a huge network being heard by millions and millions of Christians and listened to all the time. Mario used to be on the show uh, quite a bit, and I thank God he finally stepped away. He said, the Lord dealt with me enough's enough. You got two false prophets on this thing with you. Get out of here because all you're doing is endorsing what they're saying. Even though he wasn't, you know, but I'm just saying by being there. Brother Hagin years ago, and pastor, our pastors lived up to this. He said, I would never go somewhere in a camp meeting or somewhere where I was invited to speak on a platform if other ministers that were there I knew were in error. Because if I stand up there, it's like I'm endorsing what they're saying. Our pastor comes to a meeting here that he has been very challenged to go to year after year because of some of the people, some of the people that speak. But I'll tell you, man, he still obeyed God to come for the reason he's supposed to come. But I guarantee you, you got to be careful because these people get off into air and all of a sudden other people can think you endorse it. Well, Mario stepped down from that show, said, I'm not going to be on there anymore because of these people that are on there. The guy that's on the show all the time literally said, when, when Moses crossed the Red Sea, uh, God showed me when I was in heaven how he did it. You ready for this one? He congelled the seas. He made them jello. He didn't part them. He just gelled the sea so they could go across it. Are you serious? But folks, I'm glad you think that's as crazy as I think it is. But there are millions of Christians that love this stuff and feed off of these people all the time. We're watching a fulfillment of many false prophets deceiving many. Sadly. I said sadly. So again, I'm going to tell you right, right now, any ministry that will have anything to do with that, I ain't touching with a 10-foot pole, baby. I ain't going anywhere near anything to do with those ministries that will sit there and allow that stuff to be purported and spoken. That's just absolutely erroneous. All right. So again, he's not going to speak on his own authority, 7A. He's only going to represent Jesus. What is Jesus? I shouldn't say what is, excuse me. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. But in the sense of what, you know, he's the word. He's the word that became flesh. Uh, 7B, when a minister is working under. So again, we're coming back to that same point. When a minister is working under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what will he do? He'll draw little attention, little attention to the Holy Spirit and a lot of attention to Jesus in his midst. You know, some people question Catherine Kuhlman, but if you actually listen to her whole messages, she always was exalting Jesus. 
Always. She thanked God for the Holy Spirit and His work, but she would always come back and give the glory to Jesus Christ. We know a minister who knew her and actually has now been entrusted by the family with all her memoirs and wrote a book about her and her ministry. And he's actually under Dr. Barclay, connected with Dr. Barclay, a really neat man of God. Number eight, notice this. What's another part of the work of the Holy Spirit? He'll tell you things to come. Come on. He'll tell you things to come. 8A, we are not the people who are in the dark. We are those who are what? In the light. We're in the light. Now, how does he primarily do that? Sure, he can reveal stuff to you directly, but he'll use prophets like Dr. Barclay to reveal things that the Holy Spirit can confirm in your spirit to know, yeah, that's coming down the pike, man. You better get ready for that. How many know anything he shows us to come, biblically is going to again be backed up by Scripture? Right? Good or bad? Isn't that right? 8B. As the end comes upon the earth, God's people will know the things of the Spirit. You ought to underline God's people. Who are God's people? Those who are walking with Him. He's not just meaning here all people born again. He's talking about those who truly walk with God. As the end's coming upon the earth, God's people will know the things of the Spirit. We will not be left in the dark. And again, last but not least, number nine, what's he always going to do according to the end of verse 14? He's going to glorify Jesus. Always. So in that case, because he is always going to glorify Jesus, 9a, guess what he'll do to help you? He'll help you to be a true worshiper if you'll let him. See, when worship times come, you need to get out of your head and get in your spirit. You need to get your head quiet, get in your spirit, let your spirit take over and start worshiping God unashamedly. And the Holy Spirit will help you be a true worshiper. And I'll tell you what, you'll get blessed when you do. 9B, he will keep you connected closely with Jesus. 9C, he will assure, notice he will assure that you keep, your, uh, keep Jesus focused as the number one center of your life. Acts chapter 1, and come on, last set of verses and getting ready to close out tonight. Acts chapter 1. Every believer should know the full ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, how can you take advantage of what he's here to help you do? We need to know. And we need to know what's not of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> to me, I don't know. Maybe because I'm a teacher and I see things a little clearly. For whatever reason, that's just a gift of mine. But to me, it's never been hard to figure out who false people are. False ministers, false prophets. To see believers. They're contrary to the word. It's like black and white to me. It's like amazing how many Christians get caught up in deception. And all you have to do is, you point out the Bible to them. They're like, well, I, you know, you don't you hear? Well, I know the Bible says that, but they happen to be doing great things for God. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are those who, when Jesus returns, will not go in the rapture. After Jesus is gone, they're going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Come on. And do miracles in your name? You know what Jesus said to him? You know what Jesus said to him? Depart from me. You ready for this? I never knew you. Wow. How is it he never knew him? You, you weren't living by the truth. I'm the truth. You weren't abiding by me. You were doing your own thing. What do you really think Jesus meant there? I believe he meant you're working with demons. Because it don't mean they weren't doing some things that clearly uh, might have been seen as supernatural. Acts chapter 1, you still with me? Come on, last set of verses tonight. Stay connected. Verse 1, Acts 1 verse 1. The former account I made, O Theopolis. How come we don't name kids Theopolis today? Theopolis, because then you know you could just say Theo for short, right? <laughs> I made all Theopolis. Of all, listen, of all that Jesus, all that he began both to do and teach. 
Verse 2, until the day in which he was what? Caught up into heaven, taken up. Notice this, after. After what? He was taken up. Underline this. He, watch, through the Holy Spirit. How? Through the Holy Spirit had given commandments. How is, how is Jesus relating stuff to us today? Through the Holy Spirit. He was taken up. After he was taken up, what did he do? What did Jesus do? He still communicated with his disciples that were here. How? He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. What was that promise? Read on. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be what? Underline it. Baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What was the promise of the Father? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that born again? Let me prove it to you. You're right here by John. Back up to John 19. Because this is him ascending to heaven. This is after being here 40 days, resurrected from the dead. He's about to go to heaven. And his last words are, you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of the Father. And then he did what? He departed from them and went up into heaven. But let's back up during those 40 days and see what happened before that. In John 19, 21, Jesus, having been raised from the dead, he's already raised from the dead here, he appeared to them and he said, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. 22. When he said this, he did what? Tell me. Tell me what he did. That's not John 19. John, oh, I'm sorry. John 20. Okay. My, my fault. My, my apologies. My fault. John 20. Twenty twenty one. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. 22, when he said this, what did he do? Tell me what he did. You need to make a note of that word right there. Highlight that word, underline that word. That's a significant word here. He breathed on them and he said to them, do what? This is not the promise of the Father. He hasn't ascended to heaven yet. He said, I'm going to heaven in Acts. I'm going to heaven. You go wait. He's going to be gone. You go wait in Jerusalem till you get the promise of the Father, which is to be what? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's not baptizing in the Holy Spirit here. He's breathing on them and helping them to receive within their spirit new life by receiving the Holy Spirit. That word breathed, this is powerful. So you go back to Genesis. When you go back to the book of Genesis where God formed the, 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 the body of man out of the dust of the ground, just tell your neighbor that body that you're walking in is nothing but dirt. Nothing but dirt. You're walking around in a bag of dirt. So he, he forms that body of the dust of the ground. And he breathes in it, the Bible says. He breathes into man's nostrils. Listen, listen. The breath. Yes. What do you do here? He breathed on them. Yes. What do you do there? He breathed into man. The Bible says the breath of life. If you go look up that word breath, that word breath means his spirit and soul. Here's his body. He breathes into him his spirit and soul. What was going on here? Well, who's going to change the spirit man inside? You already got a soul, but who's going to change the spirit man? The Holy Spirit is. So here, synonymous to the actual Hebrew word in Genesis is a Greek word synonymous to that to saying, I'm now breathing into you the Holy Spirit who is now going to bring to you a new spirit. Brand new spirit. That's called being born again. 
What happened in John 20, 22? They were born again. Was that the actual uh, promise of the Father? No. Back to book, uh, book of Acts chapter 1, because he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says, you go to Jerusalem, verse 4, you go to Jerusalem, you wait there. I'm not going to breathe on you. You wait there till the promise of the Father comes. That's known as the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came what? Up on them. See, a lot of people think, oh, the Holy Spirit just fell from heaven right then. No, he was already here. How did Jesus breathe on him and say, receive the Holy Spirit if he wasn't already here? Say he was already here. What's he going to do? He's going to come up on them. He's going to like water. He's going to flow out of them and flow over them and empower them. That's the promise of the Father. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still thinking natural kingdom. They're still thinking, aren't you going to stay here? Deal with all these Romans? Kick them out of Jerusalem? Take rule over Jerusalem at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. In other words, there's a day coming that's going to happen. But it ain't now. The Father knows about that. Verse 8, notice what he focuses them back on. But you, you shall receive what? Tell me. Tell me what you'll receive. Power Power when the Holy Spirit is what? Come upon, up on you, and you shall be what? Why are we receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, thank God for speaking in tongues. Because honestly, all you're doing is you're, you're, you're learning to yield yourself to who's already in you. That's all you're doing. But the purpose of once you've done that, and the context of why you speak in tongues, because guess what normally, comes, what, guess what normally controls what comes out of your mouth? Your brain does. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, where's that coming from? Your spirit's praying. Your spirit's praying on the inside. Who's giving you the words? The Holy Spirit is. That's coming right from God. You listening? So it doesn't come from your brain. That's why you can pray in the Spirit and think about a hundred different things at the same time. Because it ain't coming out of your brain. It's coming right. Your spirit man's rising up and speaking. The real you's talking. Can I prove to you you got a different guy on the inside? If you'll, don't do it yet, but I'm going to tell you, put your fingers in your ears for just a minute. And I want you to say, I love Jesus. Now do it. Put your fingers. Say, I love Jesus. Could you still hear yourself? Yes. Could you? Yes. Do it. Say it. I love, I love Jesus. Could you hear yourself inside here? Yes. Guess who that is? That's your spirit man. When you speak, your spirit man hears you. I love Jesus. Well, I can't hear it with my natural ear, but I can still hear it. Yes. Can you not hear it? Yes. Can you hear it? Yes. I love Jesus. You hear it in here. Right. You know why? Because your spirit has ears. That's why what you speak is so powerful because your spirit picks up on everything you say. Everything that comes out of your mouth, your spirit man picks up on. It's not a trick. I'm just telling you, your spirit has the ability to hear. He has the ability to talk. Come on. How does your spirit know what to say? Holy Spirit tells him. Gives him the words. He hears it and he speaks it. So, yeah, thank God for speaking in tongues. But you know what? You didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues. That's evidence that it's happened. That's just evidence that it's happened. Because all that is is a sign that I've learned how to yield my physical being to God so He can come upon me and control even my physical being, my mouth, my tongue. Now, He don't start talking through you. You got a spirit man. You, soul, 
your will yields to your spirit man, and you just allow your spirit man to start speaking. So understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though, is for what? Empowerment to be a witness. To be a witness. Tongues is just a sign. Say a sign. Uh, Initial aspect I'm talking about. It's a sign you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a sign He came upon you. How many of you remember remember when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit? See, I did too because I could feel the presence of God come on me. I felt Him come upon me. Now, I struggle speaking in tongues because my brain still tried to stop me. But I finally told my brain to just shut up. And I just started yielding my spirit, man, started praying in the spirit. But how many of you know when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll experience the presence of God come upon you. What's that mean? I now know how to yield to Him. Guess what you should do when you pray for the sick? Yield to Him. I now know what to say when I go witness. Why? Because you should learn to yield to Him and listen to your inner man and let Him give you things to speak. He knows everything about those people. And that makes you a what for God? A witness. That makes you a witness for the kingdom of God, for Jesus himself. Number 10, he will notice this. He will deliver the commandments from Jesus to those, obviously, whom he has called. This means you, found in verse 2. He's going to deliver the commandments from Jesus to us. That's his 10th primary focus of what he does in our life. He takes what Jesus gives him and does what? He delivers those commandments, not options. Our Jesus is our commander. We're the body. He's the head. He's our commander. How's he going to command us? Through the Holy Spirit, if we'll listen. 10a, he will keep you in communication. The Holy Spirit will. He'll keep you in communication with Jesus, your commander. To be, he'll guide you and keep you on course. To see, he will keep you in the perfect will of God. And then number 11, he then empowers us also to do what? Be a witness. The 11th thing of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in life, He empowers us to be a witness, to be witnesses. We learn how to yield to Him that He'll come upon us to use us for the purpose of God. So we're not trying to do anything. We're just simply being the doer to obey God. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the helper yes. that comes along when you are the doing the doing yes. and brings His super to your natural. Amen. Come on. He puts his super on your natural, what you're doing in the natural. And he now does his work through you. And you become what? A witness. When I have prayed for a horse and seen him healed, the man that I know that, that that man I know that I prayed for his horse that that happened, he knew that wasn't, that wasn't pastor. That was God. He felt the power going to to him when we prayed. I've told you that testimony many times. He raised his little head up over after we got done praying over his... He was on one side of his horse, I was on the other. Two in the morning. He come woke me up two in the morning. And he, and he raised his little head up and said, What was that? Did you feel that? I said, Yeah, I did. I said, You don't always feel it, but I did. He said, What was it? I said, That's the Holy Spirit. We agreed. He, he's now going to work. You got to know it's a done deal. Amen. Don't deny him to do that work. Amen. And three days later, that horse was completely healed. John Wesley, who traveled by horse, prayed over his horse because he was badly hurt. I mean, he was a powerful man of God. Methodists gotten so far. He started the Methodist movement. But, but he was a Holy Ghost man. He prayed over his horse. Horse got healed. Needed that horse. Right. Needed that horse. Now, you don't do this. You don't do this for purpose of trying to prove God. Don't go out to your car and say, I'm not buying gas. I'm just going to believe God. He's going to put gas in my car. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. You're testing God. 
But one time, me and a friend of mine were actually out chopping wood, and he would run his gas tank to the actual minimum of nothing left in it, and we're going down the road, and all of a sudden, here we go. How many of you ever had a vehicle run out of gas? Oh, man, here you go. A <laughs> couple little more, <laughs> and then it just died, and over the side of the road we go. We're, we're miles from anywhere, miles from the next gas station. And I said, you're, you're, you're out, huh? Yeah, it was cold too, by the way. I said, I said, we're out of gas. Oh, yeah, I didn't fill it up. He's cranking. I mean, for like you know, minutes, minutes cranking, cranking, nothing. Pumping the gas. Gun. I said, it's out of gas, man. He said, yeah. I said, well, I ain't walking. <laughs> it's too cold, and I'm not walking. My God's big enough to get us to the next gas station, but only if you'll swear you'll not be dumb enough to not fill up your tank next time. Because we ain't going to test God this way. Oh, no. I promise I'll do it. All right. I said, next time, don't ever let this happen. There's no reason to let this happen. You need money? I'll help. Whatever. No, he had the money. He just didn't. Lazy, you're too lazy to do it. And I said, all right, shut your eyes. I laid my hands on the dash of that truck. You believe what you want, man. I've watched God do things like this too many times in my life. And I just said, God, I know you understand that we're the, we're the reason this happened. Because somebody should have filled up the gas tank. But you're a merciful God. Yeah, this guy over here, you know. But you're a merciful God. I don't want to walk. It's cold. Could you just get us enough gas in the tank at least to get to the gas tank? I'm not like believing for 50 gallons to go, you know. I just, could you get us enough gas in the tank to get to the next gas station? And I thank you for doing so in Jesus' name. Amen. Start the truck. He looked at me and said, it's out of gas. I said, you start the truck. He turns the key and it instantly fired. Instantly, oh, and he's revving it up. Well, we got to go. I said, slow down. You're going to have plenty of gas to get to the gas station. Amen. And we drove for miles, miles on a, on a needle that said empty and pulled. You can say, what well, it was probably somewhere else in the gas. Believe what you want. Believe what you want. We pulled over, pulled up. He looked at me. I'm telling you what, when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be a witness. You'll be a witness. Now, I said, don't think that's just going to happen. Now, really, I had been inspired by Glenn Smith. Glenn Smith did this one time where he was out somewhere in the middle of nowhere, couldn't get gas, ran out of gas, whatever. What he did, he actually got outside of his truck, took the cap off, and actually stuck his finger in there and said, Lord, I don't believe gas is going to come out of my finger, but as an act of faith, I'm going to believe somehow you'll get gas in this tank to get me where I need to go. And he put the gas cap back on, started up, and drove that thing for hundreds of miles, I don't know, a mile, long, long ways. I read it in his little book, and I thought, now, if God would do that for him, he's no respecter of persons. You listening? Now, if I was ignorant enough to not stop at the gas station and get gas, I shouldn't be asking God, you know, to, you know, to overcome my ignorance. But I'm stuck in this position. And I don't want to get out there 20 degrees outside and go walk down, you know, miles and miles and miles. I wouldn't have done it anyway. I'd have made him do it. I'm cold, man. I got no heat in this truck. So I'm telling you, God will do what he says he'll do. He'll honor your word if you'll honor him. Say he empowers us to be witnesses. He is merciful too, just like Kathy said. 11a, notice, he helps you to not only speak, excuse me, he helps you not only uh, not only speak a good witness, but what? To live one. To live like it. 11b, he helps us to refine Christianity in our lives. 11C, he helps us also to do what? Perfect holiness in our lives. Because all those are part of being a witness. Part of being a witness is you don't look like the world. You don't sound like the world. You don't smell like the world. You don't act like the world. Because you're not of the world.
We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.